My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. That's what these men needed to know. And that's why the psalmist would later write that psalm. And we know that to be true right now. Where do you go when you've got a mountain in front of you? When you've got your own Goliath standing in front of you? It could be something. It could be a health issue. It could be a relationship problem that you're having. It could be a lost job. It could be a number of things. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. After 40 days of listening to Goliath's ranting, there was only one person that would stand up to this giant. Other soldiers focused on the danger of the battle or the material rewards to be won. It seems that David alone focused on the reputation of Israel and the honor of the living God. This truly shows David to be a man after God's own heart. He cares about the things God cares about. He saw the problem in spiritual terms, not in material or fleshly terms. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. And he would go back to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And notice how faithful David was. He didn't leave those sheep. He left them with a keeper, certainly. Some, maybe somebody else in the family. Maybe the, the next oldest from him. Maybe he kept the sheep while David was ministering to Saul. But it says in verse 17, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. So he's in Bethlehem. He runs, and he's got these supplies to bring to those three eldest brothers to bless them. Because right now, there's really not a battle. It's just 40 days of Goliath coming out taunting night and day, and everybody else quaking in their boots. That's what it was. And so David comes and he brings his brother some victuals, some, some food. And notice that David does it. He doesn't argue. He's a very obedient young man. And just like Jesse sending his son David, God the Father, we see a lot of the characteristics of Jesus in the life of David because Jesse sent his son to be the Savior. <laughs> he didn't know it at the time, but, Je- but Jesse sent his son David, and he ultimately was going to be a Savior of, of Israel a Savior. But what does it say in 1 John chapter 4, 14? And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. We see a lot of these same uh, characteristics of the Son of God, Jesus, and we see that in David, some of these characteristics. And notice what he said to him. He says, carry, and also carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands. So the, the, the thousand, the, the, the regiment that his brothers belonged to, that captain over that thousand, David, or Jesse said, take these cheeses to him, and he can distribute those to the guys, and, and maybe they can enjoy that. 
And then also, see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. So, verse 19, so Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. They really weren't fighting. They were yelling and, and, and stuff like that, but really nothing was happening. So David arose, verse 20, in the morning. He left the sheep, notice, with a keeper. And he took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. And so, again, David, this young man, faithful and obedient, unlike his predecessor, Saul, just listening and doing what his dad had told him. You know, that was one thing, a hallmark of David that we never saw in Saul. And it's a, it's a, good, it's a good characteristic for you and I to be obedient you know, we, when God wants us to do something, we don't argue with him. We don't say, God, I've got a better idea. I've got a better plan. I can get there faster if you just let me. And with God, you know, the ends don't justify the means. There's certainly a lot of ways to do things, but God's way is the best way, however he says to do it, even if it takes twice as long, because he's more concerned about the journey in between. Because what happens in that journey? We change we're challenged. We change in that process. It's very different. And David was such a man. And that's the kind of person that I want to be. I want to be obedient to the Lord. When he shows me something, I don't want to just say it's about, that's for somebody else. No, it's, it's for me. I need to listen to this. And I, I not only need to listen to it, but I actually need to do something about it. I need to hear it, and then appropriate that in my life. See, I think that's where we, as Christians, we can fail sometimes. And again, not to bum you out here, but it's good to exhort you because I need it myself. We hear a lot. We take in a lot. But be careful that we don't take in so much that we just become numb to the facts. We, become, we can become numb to the things that we hear, so much so that we're just kind of like living the way we want to live, but we're taking in all this information. Challenge yourself not to be that way and to say, God, whatever I hear, help me to do it. Help me to do it. And when I'm not doing it, convict my heart that I would do it. It's really quite simple. But it's going to require some heart surgery. It's going to require a denying of self. And God is in the midst of that. He is all about that. Because what does the Bible tell us? That we should deny ourselves, right? We should deny ourselves, to put off those, that, that list of ugly things that Paul tells us in Colossians. Put off these things and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, put off fornication, put off lying, malice, and evil thinkings, and evil doings, promiscuity, sexual weird things, and put away all these things, drunkenness, and revelries, and fornications, and lying, and stealing, and shooting, and chewing tobacco, and hanging out with those who do. I'm only kidding on that part. That's not in the Bible. But you get the idea. So verse 21, it says, For Israel and the, and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array. So this must have been like, they're, they're, they're getting ready to do something because 40 days have gone on. Nobody's rising to the occasion. So they're going to they're gonna get ready and go to battle. It's going to be a bloodshed, right? So David left his supplies in the hand 
of the supply keeper, and he ran to the army, and he came and he greeted his brothers. And then, as he talked with them, there was, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming out from the armies of the Philistines. So David happened to be there at the right time when Goliath is coming out spewing all of his nonsense. David just happens to be right up there with the army, and he's listening to this guy and the things that he's saying. And he spoke according to the, um, the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Dreadfully afraid. Again, Saul was afraid. afraid. He was impotent. And so now, so are the armies of Israel. And Goliath, he was a spiritual physical and emotional mountain before them. As they're looking at him physically, none of them can size up to him. As they look at him spiritually, he's a very dark, evil man. Emotionally, they are freaking out because in their hearts, it's like psychological warfare. This guy is a mountain. He's tall and he's ready for battle. Seasoned warrior. And there's nobody who's going to get by him, or at least they think. So the psychological, the emotional warfare that these men are going through. But God. Would to God that they had the same spiritual eyes as the psalmist. In Psalm 121, what is it? It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Goliath was this mountain before these men. All the army of Israel. He was the mountain in front of them. The obstacle. He was the obstacle. He was the physical, spiritual, and emotional obstacle right before them, and they were all scared to death. But the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where, whence comes my help? And then the answer comes, my help comes from the Lord. Would to God that they, of course, the psalm wasn't written then. But would to God they understood that at that time. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. That's what these men needed to know. And that's why the psalmist would later write that psalm. And we know that to be true right now. Where do you go when you've got a mountain in front of you? When you've got your own Goliath standing in front of you? It could be something. It could be a health issue. It could be a relationship problem that you're having. It could be a lost job. It could be a number of things. What is it? It could be a debt problem. It could be a sin issue that says mountain. It's, it's, it's like Goliath is standing right before you, taunting you, saying, you can't, you can't win. You'll never win. You'll never get over this. Come on, come on. You know you want that. Come on, you know that it feels good. You keep doing it. If you have a drug problem, he's always taunting you, saying, come a little closer. You can do it without getting burned. Just go a little farther. You can handle it. You're a big boy. You're a big woman. You can take care of it. You're strong enough in the Lord. You can do this. And the devil will just taunt you. What is your hill? What is your mountain that's before you tonight? And then ask yourself, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? There's only one place where help can truly come. Really good help. Help that won't fade away. My help comes from Jehovah. Jehovah God, God the Father, 
That's where my help comes from. And in fact, we don't even fight a physical battle. As they're looking at Goliath, there's so, much about, there's so much about him that was physical, but there was a lot about him that was very spiritual as he's taunting them. He is like Satan incarnate in a sense. And what does Paul tell us in Ephesians? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why well, aren't we talking about armor? You know, we look out at Goliath, and he's all decked out with this hundreds of pounds of brass on this guy. And here's David. He tries to put on Saul's armor, as we see, and it just doesn't fit. But he had a, a staff in his hand, and he had a sling and five smooth stones in his little bag. And he had faith in God. That's all he needed to wipe this guy out. And I love that. I love that. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful scene and God is always doing that. He's always taking the underdog when the whole world says, there's no possible way you're going to get through this. You are just not capable. You're not smart enough. You're not big enough. You're not talented enough. You don't have it within you to do this. And God goes, oh, I love it when people say that because I'm going to use my servant, my, my servant, and fill in the name of your name, fill in the blank with your name. I'm going to use them, and they're going to, they're going to do it in a way that you hadn't even considered yet. Big mouth. <laughs> I love that. But then he goes through and he lists those, those things of, uh, of armor that you and I have. But what does Peter say in chapter 5, verse 8? He said, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, what is he doing? He's walking throughout. Uh, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's exactly who Goliath is. He's the lion out there taunting with bated breath, just desiring somebody to come out and entreat him. And that's who the devil is. And he's coming after all of you. In fact, he's always coming. He's looking for a little area of compromise where he can build a wedge. He's looking for any little area where he can just stick in thing and he's going to pry himself open. He's going to, you know, just a little, he's going to get in there and he's going to pry that open a little bit and then sneak in there. And create all kinds of problems, wreak havoc of your life. That's why prayer is so important. That's why walking in purity is so important. That's why being in the Word and being in prayer is so important. So important. We need that. We need that spiritual armor, faith, trust, hope. And if you think about it, this was, it was a battle between good and evil. David representing God the Father and, and Satan representing Goliath. Good always wins. And in the end, we've just finished Revelation on Sunday mornings. God always wins. Why does he win? Because he's all-powerful. There's no power but of God. They might get away with things for a season, and it may look like they're winning, but trust me, their day is coming. And what does it say in Psalm 2? The Lord is going to laugh. He's going to have them in derision. And I don't want to be on the other end of God when I have rejected him to the end, and neither do you, because God has the ability to do all of these things, to bring them into derision, to they'll be losing their minds, completely deceived and deceiving can you imagine? And yet you and I have the wonderful privilege of knowing Jesus and having that 
the confidence that he's with us. And he treats us so differently, doesn't he? He loves us so dearly. And yet the enemy will just, he, all he wants to do is lie to you. He wants to rob you. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take everything holy from you. He wants to take any hope that you have. He wants to take it all and he wants to stomp it. He wants to crush it. He's like a roaring lion, like Peter said, seeking whom he may devour. So verse 25, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, speaking of Saul, will enrich him with great riches, will give him not only that, but his daughter. You know what that means? If, you're Saul's, if you marry Saul's daughter, that means you're part of the family. That means gravy, train. Things are looking good. You're sitting at the table with Saul's girl. And not only that, and give his father, father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Boy, the, a nice little package. Can you imagine the men? They're like, oh, wow. No taxes. I get Saul's daughter. Riches. I get the new car. And then I get that Pantero. I get that fancy car. Then David, we'll finish here in just two verses here. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is... And, and I love this. He's asking a question. Then he's overcome by, you know, he's asking the question. He's like, well, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this vomitous mass? <laughs> you mentioned David. Who is this guy? He's nothing. And I don't believe David is like, you know, he, he's not a really big guy. He's a good-looking guy, a redhead probably. Probably not real muscular either. He's probably kind of thin. But David didn't have any false bravado. He was so angry at the fact that, that these guys would be calling, that, that Goliath would be taunting God's people. You notice this has nothing to do with David? It's not about him personally? Think of that. That's what, that's what is so important here is this is not about David at all. David saw what this man was saying and doing to the armies of Israel, whom God has chosen, whom God delights in, the people of God. That's what he had a problem with. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And again, not about David at all. And this is a mark of a great shepherd. He never looked at himself. He was only caring about God's glory and the people of God. David was not a hireling. He couldn't be paid to do what he was doing. He didn't do it for the money. Even though he heard about the package that was coming, if he did, that was, he, I don't even think he was thinking about that at all. He was just like, you know what? I've served God out in the field, and I've gotten to know him at night. I've looked up at the stars, and I've seen, and I bet David had written down some of these psalms already before they were even published in the, in the hymnal, in the psalm book. And he says, I remember being out there in the stars at night. I know who this God is, and he loves me, and I know what he's done for me. And I'm not going to sit here and listen to him defy God's people. And that was his motivation. The other stuff I don't, I don't really think was a big deal to him. And David also knew that if God had anointed him king as he had, 
then God was going to preserve him through this battle. Remember in the chapter before that he was anointed by Samuel? That you're going to be king? Well, he's not. The coronation hasn't happened yet, has it? So he's thinking to himself, if God is in this, and he's putting on my heart to go out to battle with this guy, I trust God. He told me I was going to be king. And if that's the case, then this guy's going down. <laughs> because God knew. God knew. And David had that, that faith. What a wonderful thing. And what God had prepared in David during those days in isolation in the pasture with the sheep, he was going to bring into full view and bring to fruition at this very moment. So he prepared him in private, and now it's going to be very visible. And that's always the way God works. He may take years to prepare a person in obscurity where nobody's caring, nobody's listening, nobody's watching, nobody even cares, and God is preparing. And then all of a sudden, that person, at one moment, one defining moment, a watershed moment like this, all of a sudden, all of that comes to fruition. It comes out like a blossoming flower, and it's all the glory of God. And that's exactly what happened to David. And notice, we'll stop here. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. The riches, the daughter, free from taxes. But again, I don't think David was concerned about that so much. He was more incensed that this giant was defaming God, the one whom David knew very well. The one whom David relied upon, his relationship was such that he's like, that's all I care about. I like that. And we haven't even got to the battle yet. So we're going to stop there because when we get together next week, we're going to look at the time when David's, now his oldest brother is going to just let him have it. As he's there at the front, his older brother's going to disdain him and tell him what a runt he is. What'd you do, come up here to see the blood? Did you come up here to see some arms dismembered? What'd you come up here for? I know you were naughty in your thinking. And where are those few little sheep that you got in the, in the, in the pasture? Did you leave them with somebody else? You know, just taunting him. Do you feel like the devil's taunting you like that? He does. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, Lord. It's, uh, Lord, certainly the stuff of Sunday school. Lord, how many coloring pages have been drawn in Sunday schools all throughout the world of David and Goliath. And God, more so than just the battle, Lord, we know that there is this whole story, this whole incident that we see before us and that we're going to look at next week is really one of trust and faith and of preparation and and coming to fruition. Lord, you're so good about that. And we thank you, Lord, that you're preparing each of us today. You're, You're preparing us in the basement of our hearts that we can't see, Lord. You're doing the the deep work that nobody can see. And Lord, you have a time yet ahead of us. It could be witnessing to a loved one. It could be showing up and being the right person at the right time, at the right moment to say the right thing, to minister to somebody where you're going to meet them and save their soul. Lord, you're preparing us. Lord, help us to be cognizant of that and to be open and willing to serve you, to be willing to be obedient to you. 
So, Father, have your way this week and just continue to keep us in your hand, Lord, and protect us from the enemy's devices. We know that they are many. And, Lord, thank you again for your love for all of us, Lord. I pray that all my brothers and sisters tonight would be encouraged, they'd be strengthened in the faith of Jesus Christ, our soon and coming King, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.